Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As Associate Pastor Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Thank you, Brother Ron. Appreciate that song. Wow, that was great. Almost along with the message this evening. The message this evening is following on to know the Lord. And uh, so you must have known I was preaching. We told you. And uh, we didn't talk. Anyhow, Hosea chapter 6 this evening. If you can find Hosea, uh, it's uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea chapter 6. And uh, we'll start there and we'll see where we go from there. But I want to speak on this subject, preach on this subject this evening about follow on to know God. Follow on to know God. I want to check my time here because I know some of you time me. And uh, I think I mentioned a little while ago I was telling uh, Eric and Monty that the longest I've ever preached was about 50 minutes one time, and that's because I, I didn't want to go home because I was mad at Andrea about something. And but that's not really true because I've never really been mad at her. But anyhow, I've been disgusted, but I haven't really been mad at her. But anyhow, uh, but... That's not true, but uh, I have a thought this evening. I've been working on it for a couple weeks for tonight. Uh, I was trying to figure out how way I've reworked it and redone it here and there. But uh, I want to take this phrase here in verse number three and use it tonight uh, for the message. <clears throat> you know that one day this whole world's coming to an end. And Mark Twain said when it comes to an end, he wanted to be in Kentucky because we're 20 years behind the rest of the world. Did you, did you know that? And that's where he wanted to be. He wanted some of you from Kentucky, I guess. Uh, uh, that's a good place to be because uh, you're 20 years behind the rest of it. But I'm going to speak tonight. I want to get a little, uh, um, little brief outlook of what I see uh, going on in our country, uh, in our churches, and what's happening a little bit, very, very briefly. And then what I, I know the answer is for us. And uh, I want to help us to keep on staying on, keep on staying faithful, keep on serving God, keep on trying to know more about him as the days are coming. The days are coming. And I can see us having to really stand for something that we've never had before. So stand on our feet, if you would, even as we do our respect for God's word. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. This evening, verse number 3 is going to be the text verse for tonight. Uh, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know, and here's here's a phrase, if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as the morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth forth. It's talking about the two kingdoms, and and Hosea here in this episode, we're talking about the northern kingdom, and God's trying to deal with them. Verse number 5, Therefore I have hewed them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. 
For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God is more than burnt offerings. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. There have they dealt, dealt treacherously against me. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to look into uh, your word again this evening. And God, I'm just uh, always amazed at how relevant your word of God is. No matter what the time period is, no matter what the nation might be, no matter even what church might be, the word of God is so relevant to us where we're at day to day in our lives and so practical. So I ask you, please, to bless the word, the preaching tonight. Give us a listening ear. And and please, Spirit, may we hear with our hearts this this evening what you have for us from the word of God. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this evening. As I've already mentioned a little bit, that God's call, last call, as some call it, to the northern kingdom is in that day, but it also looks to the future when God will heal them as though he has torn them and he intends to bind them up. And this should be a warning to us, and I know we know this, and I know where we're at, and I know the church we have, but listen, God is going to judge the sin of any nation. If he's going to judge the personal sin of me or anyone else, he's going to judge the sins of a nation. And uh, that nation that basically had a profession of Christ as a Christian nation, a nation somewhere along had established itself as a God-fearing, Bible-following nation, God is going to hold them accountable for their sin. There's no, uh, no excuse of being ignorant of what God has said to us. No matter the nation, the people, the church, or the individual, uh, we will be held accountable uh, for the word of God. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this thought, but back over in Micah uh, chapter 7, God gives us a a very quick uh, outline of what the decay decay or the destruction of a nation and what we see happening. And I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I want you to notice there in verse 1 and 2, God says one of the things that we can see is the godly influence disappears. The destruction of a nation begins when they begin to not, no longer recognize God. It's amazing. We would say, well, we're not there yet in our country. Really? Have you been to Washington lately here? Uh, they're the answer, not God. Right? God disappears. Uh, Micah indicates there in verses 1 and 2 that one of the first signs of a national moral decline is God has been uh, God's, is punished out the government in the public because God's been taken away from the government been taken away from the public square, been taken away from, as we talk often, as the public schools, which you know is not necessarily all true, and uh, we've taken them out of our minds, and Romans 3 says, because there's no longer any fear of God, right? It's a decline of a nation. Secondly, he says in verse number 3 that there'll be escalating violence. The violence will be escalating in that land. People uh, uh, won't turn away from it anymore. It's actually, uh, they turn to see it. Uh, why? And I'm not going to blame all this on this necessary reason, but movies and televisions and the internet and video games, we, we see violence. And as I mentioned in my class this morning, it's funny when you watch those shows that are real about killing a deer, they advise you not to watch it because it may be disturbing, but you can watch it in a movie. Even worse in a movie. You know, it's really funny to me, just me. But, uh, but violence is celebrated. It's condoned. It's, listen, I said this 30 years ago when I started preaching. There'll be a day we'll fill coliseums to watch people beat each other up. Are we not there? We're sure we're there. The violence that's going on there. 
And, uh, and, and listen, uh, uh, it's, 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 Jesus said, the days of Noah, so will be leading in Jesus' return in Matthew 24. And these days are the same. Listen, the earth's corrupt in God's sight. It was filled with violence and corruption. That shows you the indication of a decay of a nation. Also, Micah 3, uh, chapter 7, verse 3 and 4 talks about how business and the political world is corrupt. Sound familiar? We're no longer surprised when we hear in the news about this person or that person, a leader or a business person in our world or a political leader uh, got caught doing this. The corruption. And then it's amazing how nothing ever happens to them. The good old boy system has the same people sitting in the power year after year, and sometimes spending their entire lives in, uh, in a position of leading our country with no limits. They can do whatever they want to, and it seems like they get by with it. And they scratch us on this side while they live this way on the other side. And uh, the, the personal projects that they assume and they try to get and get reelected year after year, everyone's representative is, is uh, guilty except for mine. That's the mantra of American people today. Well, surely it can't be mine. They got to be the best one up there. Micah 7, 5 says, an indication of the decline of a nation is unfaithful friends or unfaithful friendship. The person who is a friend is one who will stick closer than a brother. No one will bail on you when times get tough, but sometimes, uh, sometimes you'll see uh, who your friends really are in the darkest days. Cynicisms have never, cynicism has never been higher than it is today. People are more skeptical today uh, because they've been burned by so many people. And we've often say, and we kind of kid around as pastors about the fact that if you tell me you're a business person, I'm not going to do business with you. I'm going to find somebody else because it's kind of scary. We're skeptical what you may be after. And then Micah 6 talks about, 7, 6 talks about the fact that one of the signs of a time where we're headed is that we don't honor our parents. We don't honor our parents. The Bible indicates that whoever honors his parents may live longer, Exodus 20, 12. But we are seeing these days of decline nationally and morally, and, uh, and we're really honoring our parents, and nothing ever really uh, set, that, set that in my life as it was as a pastor visiting folks in a nursing home with no one ever coming to visit them. The family just sticks them in there. Not, and I understand there are times you have to do that, but you think you at least come and see your parents who are in a home and try to help them on the way. We no longer, we no longer, uh, uh, we, we no longer honor those who truly gave it all for us in our country. And then we see lastly what happens that Michael talks about and Romans talks about that God gives them up. I had enough. It's had enough of them. Because they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, and they weren't thankful. And uh, God, they professed themselves to be wise, but they were foolish, so God just gave them up. So those are signs of a decline. This is what we see happening here in Hosea's land in the northern kingdom. I see that many, many similarities see us happening here where we live at today. So it's very, uh, very eye-opening to me that I need to pay attention to what's going on and what can I do here. Because there is some text here that talks about getting back to God and healing have a healing process and to bind things back together. So I see that. So back to our text here. In verse number one of Hosea, come let us return unto the Lord. He hath torn and he will heal us. 
He has smitten and he will bind us. He has punished us, but he does want to heal us. He wants to get us back together. Uh, he has done those things. Verse 2, and after two days he will revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. And that third day I thought was a very interesting phrase there, and I kind of parallel that with the resurrection of Christ. And on the third day he raised from the dead for us, that you and I may be justified. Both Jew and Gentile may be justified. And this, this uh, I think, is very uh, uh, applicable to us in the future of Israel, but it is to us today. Ezekiel speaks of that day of resurrection, and the resurrection we based on the one who was raised the third day. For in Christ's resurrection, there is provided for any man who accepted a redemption, right? A justification, which will bring them into the right relationship with God Almighty. And I'm laying a groundwork here to the message here, and, and I'm kind of rushing through this because I do have a lot of introduction that, that normally I don't have. But, but the Apostle Paul says in, in Romans 12, in our day, uh, uh, the subject of the future Israel is coming back. When we're taken out of this world, Israel will again be established. Right? So God has a plan to heal them and to bind them back again one day when that day comes. In our day, God's purpose is building his church to draw both the Jew and the Gentile to him. People out of every tongue and every tribe and every nation and every land, we will come, uh, we will come to him before him to worship him. And God, when God completes his purpose in the church, will take it out of the world. And again, the nation, the nation of Israel, will he rise up again? And, and I'm looking for that day when God takes his church. And I know we say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Do we really, really mean that? Do you really want to see Jesus' face? Do you really want to feel what you think you may feel and see and say, boy, I kind of messed up, didn't I? In the presence of Christ. But verse number three, of course, is the verse tonight. I want to talk on that and be practical with us now for the rest of the message. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. This is the very interesting solution to the problem. And the answer to the problem is to know the Lord. The answer to the solution of our country is that we might know the Lord. The answer to our problem in our church life is that we might know the Lord. The answer uh, in, in our personal life, whatever's going on, trial or temptation we may be having, is that we are to move on, follow on to know the Lord. That's our answer to what's going on. That's a secret solution. It's a secret, secret potion, if you would. The Apostle Paul, when he had come to the end of his life and uh, he had this ambition in Philippians 3.10, he said that I may know him. He's getting ready to leave the world. He's getting ready to go see his Savior who he served for all these years and gave all he had. He's getting ready to leave. And he said, but I still, I still want to know him. That is the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings may be made conformable unto his death. I want to know him. And there, there's no way to improve that part of life other than knowing the knowledge of God and knowing God. And I'm going to talk about that this evening. The Word of God is very emphatic about this. In fact, uh, uh, you're, we're either right or we're wrong 
There's no gray matter in the world. And over a thousand of years, this word of God has been proven right. And I don't think that uh, uh, this present generation is going to upset the word of God by any means, no matter how hard it tries. It's, tri- it's been trialed by fire. It's been trialed by confiscation. It's been tried by every leader who didn't like what it said over the years and generations, and we still have it today. But I do fear today we have those who are trying to pervert it or corrupt it in the name of preaching the Bible. And we've got to guard against that. We've got to be careful about that. We've got to be careful. There's no new thing under the sun, so don't come up with something new that you think you found Scripture no one else has ever had. But why? Here's why. We come in America, everybody, listen, in America, everybody wants to be somebody, and everybody wants something, right? When we come today in our country, can you believe this today? Listen to me. If you pay attention to a little bit of news, today you can be assaulted, and you can be raped and robbed and picked on in front of other people, and no one will help out because of fear of what may happen to them. Right? In fact, we're told no one wants to get involved today. And we're being told if you go to live in San Francisco, they tell you out there that you can afford to be robbed and raped and beaten and someone steal your car because you can afford it. It's okay. How crazy how we've gone in our country. It's not okay for you to do those things to me. I really can't afford a new whatever it may be. I really want to go through all that. But it's amazing where we're at. And people voted for somebody like that. If you can afford to have it happen to you, just suck it up and live with it. Right? Crazy things happening. The thing we need to know more than ever is we ought to get involved. And people are being hurt for no reason whatsoever. And it's our apathy that's going to destroy us and destroy who we are. This church can die while good members do nothing. And one day you'll say, what happened to our church? It used to be. Well, my question to you would be, what did you used to be before it died? Because we're the church. You and I are the used-to-be's, either after or before. Where where are we at today? Well, listen, I've been been doing this long enough to know that how, how people are and, and uh, uh, different things. And I mentioned this briefly this morning in my class, but since last Sunday afternoon, I've run across four folks who have been in church here. They're not all, have, they weren't all members, but they were in church here since I've been here. They no longer come here. And it's amazing when you show up and they know you're the associate pastor, how they scramble for something to say. And you can't, you can't get, they can't get away from me uh, because we're going to have a conversation. And I, I didn't ask them about anything. I really didn't want to go down that road. And they freely give up information to you. But it's amazing. Not one of them said, well, we went over there. We quit going there because you have bad doctrine. Or because you don't preach the word of God. Or because whatever. Uh, it was all personal issues. All personal from what they say. And I don't always believe what people say. One, one lady was mad at, at uh, uh, somebody else in our church and, uh, and whatever, and so they didn't come back and blah, 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 whatever. And I, I just stood there and just shake my head like, you don't even talk to your husband, but you're mad at them? But anyhow. <laughs> but our apathy is going to destroy our country, our churches, 
our family, our freedom, and everything we hold dear. And how we need some people of God to stand and say, I will be more than just a church member. I will follow on to know the Lord. I'm going to be more than a church member. I'm going to follow on to know the Lord. I know many of you know uh, our son-in-law, pastors up in New York, not the city, New York. Uh, oh, he lives out and he lives out in the country in New York, and uh, they have more cows in his county than there are people. So that's where he's at, pastoring very conservative people, gun-toting people. Careful what you say and what you do there in New York, because they'll anyhow. And uh, but he took this little church just a few years ago, run, run about twenty people in church. And we were there just a few weeks ago uh, visiting with them. And there was 80-some people in church on Sunday morning, young couples, families running around. And then the same old codgers that hired them and brought them in there. He called me after we were up there. And he had a few conversations while I was there. And he called me when I got back down here. He said, hey, I had trouble. We have, they have, uh, you would love this. They have yearly business meetings that the whole church is invited to. And you can talk about any subject you want to bring up and talk about church business. You would love this. And, uh, and he's trying to change, he was trying to change it, trying to get over it, but he has to do, follow, the, follow the rules there, whatever. And uh, after, the, after the one meeting, uh, one of the men came to him and actually said to him, he said to him, he said, uh, what you're talking about, what you want to do, that's not your job to do, pastor. That's our job. Now, this is a guy that sat in the pew for the last three years, has watched people saved and baptized, families come, and come to the services, as I talked about already, and yet you're going to say, well, Pastor, you're really taking too much upon yourself responsibility-wise for the business of this church. That's, that's tragedy. When that man, man couldn't see what God was doing with that young pastor and family through that church to help that church to keep going because it was going to die when they came there. But the problem is, Matt told me, we were talking about this on the phone. He said, the problem is, he said, he said, uh, uh, he calls me dad. He said, dad, the problem is that, that uh, the people who've come in, they haven't joined the church. So I can't make them an officer and put them in charge of anything yet to help me fight this thing uh, because the young folks don't want to join and get involved. And that was more concerning to me than it was about the one guy who was raising up a little stink. Is that, and that's the day today. Listen, today, folks, we need to stand up for our church and stand for what's right and follow on in the Lord or we're going to lose it. You say, I don't want to get in it. It's dirty. It's muddy. It, it, yes, it is sometimes dirty. Yes, it is sometimes ugly. But we need people to stand up and fight with us. And, hey, listen, this is our church. We're going to keep it going. But as we do that, following on to know the Lord. That's what we need today. Well, I'm just going to see. I know why folks go to bigger churches. They can get lost in the crowd. Don't have to get involved. Don't have to do anything. Don't have to stand for anything. Don't even necessarily have to join necessarily and, and, and all that. They just stand there, come be a part of what's going on. And thank God for you. I'm glad you come. I'm glad you're here. But listen, someday you may lose that opportunity if you don't take a stand with that church. If we don't follow on to know the Lord. We may lose that. You say, well, you, you serious? I'm serious. I see what's happening. I see what's happening today. Christians don't want to stand beside their church and the program of the gospel and say, ah, let's let somebody else worry about it. And one day, what would happen to that church? 
you were unwilling to follow on to know the Lord. There are three things here I want to give you quickly, uh, Stephen, I hope they're quickly, about we need to know about this word know. The word know. One means to know somebody. The second thing is it means to know better. And the third know is the word to know fully. Number one, we are to know, we are to follow on to know the Lord. I won't spend a lot of time on this. Basically, this point is dealing with salvation. But I thought it was very pertinent to mention it this evening. This may change someone's eternity. A person uh, uh, goes to heaven for one reason only, because he knows the Lord. And you may belong to a church. You may, uh, uh, you may uh, uh, think you're following on to the Lord. You may have been confirmed as a baby, uh, but you need to follow on and know the Lord. You may have been baptized, but you need to follow on and know the Lord. You may have been Baptist all your whole life, but you need to follow on and know the Lord. You don't go to heaven because you've done some things. You go to heaven because you followed on to know the Lord. And one doesn't go to heaven by what they have done, but by who they know. So that was a fast point. Number two is not that way. Number two, we are to know him better. Better. Our Lord wants you to do more than just know him for salvation. He wants us to know him better. We know each other more because we spend more time together. We spend years together, and we have to understand each other better, and you will know others by getting to know their life by the more time you spend with them. My wife and I this year, coming up November, will be 43 years of being married. It's hard to believe because I'm still only 20. <laughs> but I would say that my wife and I know each other pretty well. And I tease my class about this because I'll say things in class like she's teaching a, a class right now. She's not in there. And I'll say things about her. And I say, you, you spies will go tell her before I see her for lunch and tell her what I said and get me in trouble. But my wife's going to laugh at you because she'll, she'll truly believe that's what I said because she knows me. But I know her. Why? I spent almost 43 years, well, I guess 43 years, dating her and marrying her that I know her very well. I know her, I know her like, like I know no one else. I know her. But also I can testify tonight that I think I know not all of God, but I know a lot of God tonight. I've spent a lot of years, decades, in his word and in prayer that I can know him better. Well, I don't know him completely, and I know we won't until that day we see him face to face, but I sure think I know him better today than I did 40 years ago. And I know him better today, I hope, than I knew him yesterday because this morning he and I had a little time together. And this afternoon we had a little time together. And we ought to understand each other better because we spend time getting to know each other. Uh, uh, we, we ought to know, listen, uh, uh, if you walk into my office this evening, you walk in there, doors don't lock, you go in there, there's nothing in, I have nothing to hide. You go in there, you're going to find something out about me. You're going to find out necessarily how I like my furniture arranged. You can find out uh, how I like my office to look. Clean. Clean means no, to me, uh, this is me now, this is no one else, it means no clutter. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, I'm just saying that's me. I like no clutter. That's me. The walls are blue, so I didn't repaint them because I like blue. 
You know, that, that's who I am. You go to my desk, you see things are sitting in certain places there. They're the way I like them to be. Why? That's how, you, hey, there's, that's how I get to know this is what Barry's like. He likes this and he likes this. Now there's a table in there I wish I'd get rid of, but I, I'm stuck with it for a while. And, uh, but it's there, but that's who I am. If you find it, it's, it's nice and neat where I want it to be at. You come to my house the same way. Go to my garage the same way. You see my vehicles. You could see, you'll see something about me. My favorite kind of, oh, I don't chew gum. But whatever it is, maybe wrapper in my car, you're going to get to know me. Spend time with me. You'll get to know what I'm all about. And what I'm saying uh, this evening is this. If you really want to know the Lord, you're going to have to spend some time with him. When I came to church here, I've learned this many, many years ago. I don't believe in stalking. I don't believe in being creepy. I don't believe in letting people think that, I, that all I'm doing is tagging them around because I don't believe in that whatsoever. But I will tell you this, I did my best to get to know our pastor. I wanted to know him better. And I'm pretty sure he can testify that I'm not a stalker or creepy. Well, well how'd you do that? I listened to what he says. If he's going to speak somewhere and it's all possible, I want to be there to hear what he has to say. Why? Well, I want to get to know him better. Why? Well, he's my pastor. I want to understand him. I want to know what's going on. Uh, I understand his humor. I understand his uh, uh, sarcasm. I understand why. I want to get to know who he is and what it's all about him. Whether it's right or wrong is not the point here. The point is I want to get, I want to, get to know him better. And tonight, tonight, the only way you're going to get to know the Lord better is by hanging out with him and finding out about him. It's the only way it's going to happen. Thankfully, you're at church on a Sunday night. Hopefully tonight, you're going to find out some more about the Lord tonight. And we're going to get to know him better. I'm going to say a few things in a moment here. And uh, listen, uh, again, don't be creepy. Don't be stalking. But I think you ought to hang around people that will help me out. Boy, there's a good Christian around here. I want to hang around with them. I want it to rub off on me. Because they may know something about the Lord I don't know about the Lord. I want to know him better. And, and we, we listen, so what I do, I need to, to uh, uh, I don't know if you read a book yet, you, talk, you threatened to write a book, but you haven't yet, but when you do, I'm going to read it. And uh, uh, why? Because I want to get to know the rest of his thoughts. I want to hear what he has to say. I want, I want to know him better. I want to know what's going on. Listen, when I went to college, uh, when I went to Bible college, uh, uh, Jack Cowles, uh, which you may don't know about him, but he, he was a great pastor, uh, a great preacher, uh, just a warrior for soul winning and building local churches, stirred up preachers all over this country, as many pastors have. And uh, he's, he's who I went and was underneath. And, uh, but, but I wanted to see the man. You talk 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 people in church on Sunday. How are you going to get to know him? Well, guess what I did? I volunteered to be one of his bodyguards. Yeah, bodyguards? Yeah, because people are always trying to get after him. So, and we, there we had the church in First Baptist. At the time, there had an aisle down the center, and I sat right there. Every Sunday night and every Wednesday night, I sat right there as a bodyguard. And I got up and walked with them down the aisle. I heard them interact with people down the alley. I heard them interact with folks. I've, I seen him weep from the pulpit while he preached. But what most preachers I w- went to school there missed was the fact that they missed the pastor's heart that he had. They thought it was all about the, uh, the, the bombastic preaching and the, and the mic thrown and the mic stand thrown and the beating on the pulpit and all the things they used to do to keep your attention. They thought, but I saw the pastor's heart. 
But I haven't gone crazy because I understand what a true pastor's heart looks like. I've saw it. I experienced it. Why? I wanted to get to know him better. Why? Because I think he knew more about God than I did. He said, well, you shouldn't be following. I wasn't worshiping him. Uh, he died. I'm still serving God. Okay? But I'm saying I want to know him better. So I hang out. And I read all his books. I have all his bo every book he's ever written. I have it. I have books on his sermons. I have those. I, once upon a time, I had many, many sermon cassette tapes, so they all stuck together. Now they're no good anymore, so they're all junk. But, but oh, I wanted to get to know somebody who I thought knew God like no one I knew knew God. And he could help me know something about God. You want to get to know him better. You need to read about what was happening. And uh, how does one get to know him? Listen, we have, thank God you're at his church tonight. But I want to ask you tonight, I'm going to encourage you, exhort you, how much time do you really spend in God's word tonight. Because I found out as a needy believer that I need God's food every day. I don't want to go a day without eating some of the manna from the word of God. I want to get to know him. I got to tell you this. I find direction. I find comfort. I find even that day's plan, maybe for my life, as I spent time in his word, things come to me, this is what you need to be doing, blah, 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 blah. And you say, are you, are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. I want to get to know the Lord. I found answers to prayer, getting to know him. And that's the third point. The last one is this. We are to fully, we are to follow on and know him Fully. Fully. The encouragement for God's people is that we keep learning of him until that day we perfectly know all about him. This points to the day when the veil shall be drawn back and we shall see him face to face. And, oh, I want to see him. And I was going to sing for you tonight, but I won't make you sick. Oh, I want to see him and look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace. And I'm longing and looking for that day. I want to see his face. And I agree. And I'm gone, uh, uh, and, I, I'm, and I'm all settled on my salvation. And I'm all settled that I know him. But I want to, through these years I have left, know him even more fully than I've ever known him before. I've gotten to know him so much better each day of my life. And I want to get to the point that I know him as much as I can in this life. You and I only have a certain amount of years to live. We only got so much time before it's all over. And I want to be prepared to die when that day comes. Because I've learned to know more about him fully. See, it's not a matter of the money I've gained. It's not a matter of the wealth I've acquired. It's not even a matter if I've ever built a church or not. Because I leave all those things behind. It's a matter of do I know him fully. But I know him more. It's a matter of, you know, I, I've done many funerals and have many caskets in front of me as I was behind the pulpit, and not one of those pulpits was there a bag of money in the coffin with them. Now, there have been some strange things in the coffin. I mean, a uh, mail pouch one time was in there, and a fishing pole, and a hat, and it's funny things sometimes you see in there. But, but their goods, everything they had acquired, it was all gone. The kids got it and fight over it and all kinds of things. 
But are you ready to meet the Lord? Have you spent time learning about him? Are you looking uh, more perfectly toward him that you may know him? Paul, at the end of his life, said that uh, he had still more ambition to know Christ. And tonight I want to encourage you. I got this crazy little illustration here. Uh, I picked up some of this years ago, and I, added, I changed some of this this week myself. But you're going to get to know God through the word of God. So here's what I found out. In Genesis, we know him as the promised seed. In Exodus, we know him as the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, we know him as the scapegoat. In Numbers, we know him as the brazen serpent. In Deuteronomy, we know him as the lawgiver. In Joshua, we know him as the unseen captain. In Judges, we know him as the angered God. In Ruth, we know him as the kingsman redeemer. In Samuel, we know him as the great prophet, priest, and king. In Chronicles, we know him as the great historian. In Ezra, we know him as the rebuilder of the temple of God. In Nehemiah, we know him as the rebuilder of the wall. In Esther, we know him as the savior of the Jews. In Job, we know him as a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Psalms, we know him as the song of all ages. In Proverbs, we know him as the truth. Ecclesiastes, we know him as the great preacher. And in the Song of Solomon, we know him as the, one, as the wonderful lover. In Isaiah, we know him as the uh, uh, wonderful counselor. In Jeremiah, we know him as the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, we know him as the street preacher. In Ezekiel, we know him as the rebuilder of the Millennium Temple. In Daniel, we know him as the stone cut out without hands. In Hosea, we know him as the forgiving lover. In Joel, we'll know him as the house of the Lord. In Amos, we know him as the fearless man with a message. In Obadiah, we know him as a servant of Jehovah. In Jonah, we know him as, <clears throat> as the goodness and gracious Lord. And in Micah, we know him like no one, like no one, I'm uh, sorry, no one like our Savior. In Nahum, we know him as the burden for those he loves. In Habakkuk, we know him as the embracer. In Zephaniah, we know him as the Lord thy God. In Haggai, we know him as uh, we know him as the word of the Lord. Zechariah, we know him as the, as the whom Jehovah uh, remembers. And Malachi, we know him as the spiritual angel. And when you read God's word like this, it changes what you're thinking about, what you're doing. In Matthew, we know him as the king of kings. In Mark, we know him as the suffering servant. In Luke, we know him as the son of man. In John, we know him as the son of God. In Acts, we know him as the power of the church. In Romans, we know him as the dynamite of the gospel. In Corinthians, we know him as the restorer of the carnal nature. And in Galatians, we know him, <clears throat> we know him as the ripped veil. In Ephesians, we know him as our heavenly father. In the Philippians, we know him as our sufficiency. And in Colossians, we know him as the savior. In Thessalonians, we know him as the coming savior. In Timothy, we know him as the great appearing God. In Titus, we know him as our blessed hope. In Philemon, we know him as the forgiving of the wayward slave. In Hebrews, we know him as he is the best of all. In James, we know him as the fulfiller of them all. In Peter, we know him as the rock of our salvation. In John, we know him. In the Johns, we know him as our insurance. In Jude, we know him as he who is able to keep us from falling. 
In Revelations, we know him as the one who's going to come. And when you read the word of God like that, again, it changes how valuable it is to us. Today, some saints have given me the impression that they know, they know all they need to know. They're polished beyond measure. Uh, they, they polish their halo every morning, and they're ready to take off to heaven at any time. Yet Paul said, the greatest missionary this world's ever seen, said his ambition is that I may know Christ. That I may know Christ. He's the person and the power of his resurrection. The great comfort in my life is the reality of Jesus Christ and how I need him in my life daily. We can accuse and shake accusing fingers at other people, and we can even think that I've gone as far as I can go. I'm waiting for that trumpet to sound. I'm out of here. But folks, you and I, if we do not stand and follow on to know the Lord, what you and I enjoy in God's house will no longer be. And you will no longer be the Christian you think you are. We'll fall by the wayside. Scores of one-time standing strong Christians are on the sidelines tonight waiting for Christ to come back and they're missing it. And they're missing it. Philippians 3.12, not as though I've already attained Either we're already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. We need to follow on and know the Lord. Thank you, Lord, so much for the word of God this evening. God, may we all realize the importance personally of following on to know you. No, it's not always easy. It's not always the most uh, uh, easiest thing in our life to do is to change and to put some priorities on some things that ought to have priorities. It's not always easy to do that, Father. It's not always easy to know exactly, discern what we should do and not do. But if we want to see the church keep on moving forward, if we want to see our own personal life to keep on moving forward, serving the God we love and the Savior who died for us, we need to follow on and know the Lord. We need to follow on and know the Lord. May our prayer be tonight, we're going to follow on in the midst of what's going on around us, in our land, in our city, our churches, our houses, our own personal abodes, if we don't stand and follow on to know the Lord, we're not going to make it. We're going to lose another battle. We're going to lose another soldier. We're going to lose another house of God, which would be a shame because some people didn't follow on to know the Lord. Oh, dear friend, this evening, I just wanted to encourage us all tonight to keep following on and know the Lord. Just keep on. I know sometimes it seems like this is worthless. I know sometimes it seems like, well, I'm kind of wasting my time. 
But there's no time wasted. There's no such thing as being worthless when you're trying to follow on and know the Lord. There's not one thing worthless about that. Maybe tonight your prayer would be, I want to keep on following on to know the Lord. As we stand on our feet this evening and sing a few verses of invitation, what God's spoken to you as always, the altar's open. You may come tonight if you need to as the altar's here. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.